Hi folks, I want to welcome you to our Sunday School time here at the Kerwinsville Christian Church. And we're so glad that you are uh, coming today as we continue in our study through the Old Testament, a survey of the Old Testament. We're up to the books of First and Second Kings and Second Chronicles. Uh, we've entitled this section of our survey, Israel's Kings and Prophets. And today we're going to be focusing on 2 Kings chapter 15, verses 1 to 38, as well as 2 Chronicles chapter 26, verse 1 through chapter 27, verse 9. And we're going to look, actually, you'd say this is a pretty short section, George. Yes, it is, but we're going to be focusing on a lot of kings today. We're going to look at two kings from Judah and a series of kings, or you could say dynasties, in the northern kingdom of Israel. And we're going to look at Uzziah, Jotham, and the dynasties of Israel. Now, what do I mean by dynasties? Well, a dynasty is basically when you have a kingdom that is, like, for instance, let's go ahead through history. Jeroboam, he and his sons would be a dynasty. Omri and his son Ahab and the house of Ahab would be a dynasty. Jehu and the three or four generations after him would be a dynasty. So a dynasty would be based upon a king who has, has kingship over the land uh, and, and his predator or his uh, subsequent heirs afterwards, if there were any. And so you're going to see that we're going to go through a series of dynasties real quick in the northern kingdom in our study today because they don't last too long. A couple of them do, but most of them don't last very, very long at all. So let's get right into it. We're going to focus on the king of Judah called Uzziah. So we find this actually in a very short section of chapter 15 in 2 Kings, but it has a, he has a whole chapter in 2 Chronicles chapter 26, verses 1 to 22. So let's talk about Uzziah right now. So in the 27th year of Jeroboam's reign as king of Israel, Uzziah became king of Judah. Now the Jeroboam we're talking about here is Jeroboam II, who is the son or the grandson or great-grandson of Jehu. So he's from Jehu's dynasty. But And so when Jeroboam had reigned 27 years, Uzziah then assumes the kingship of Judah. Now, the writer of Kings records his name as Azariah. So if you were to compare uh, 2 Kings with the record in 2 Chronicles, you'd see two different names. You'd see Azariah recorded in Kings. You'd see Uzziah's name recorded in 2 Chronicles. Most people typically just re refer to him as Uzziah. Now, Uzziah was 16 years old when he became king, and he ruled Judah for 52 years. Now, we're talking, if you remember, as we've gone through all of these kings from the northern kingdom to the kingdom of Judah, you would say, yeah, there's been some pretty long reigns there, but I don't know of very many who've had a reign for over 50 years. And Uzziah was one of those who had a very long reign as the king of Judah. He did what was right in the sight of the Lord, like his father, Amaziah. 
Now, I think it's interesting. We've started seeing that the statements are being made. It used to say he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, like their father David or his father David, referring back to King David. Now they're not saying that anymore. Now they're referring back to the generation beforehand. Why? Because they weren't exactly like David. So if you remember Amaziah, he started out strong. He ended up going wrong in the end. Same thing with his father. And I think that's going to be very interesting because we're going to see the exact same happening thing happening with Uzziah in that what? He starts out strong, and he really starts out strong, but he doesn't finish well. So Uzziah sought the Lord during the days of the prophet Zechariah. So again, we're seeing the record telling us, kind of giving us a time frame of when the king was seeking the Lord, and it's with reference to the time of another prophet, Zechariah, who is serving the Lord and whose book we have in the Old Testament. So as long as Uzziah sought the Lord, this is a great statement, God made him prosper. And folks, that goes along with the promises that he had, that the kings have been given by the prophets, as well as with the Mosaic Covenant, with the law that said, if they did right, God would bless them. And so we're seeing that here with King Uzziah, in that he is prospering because he is seeking the Lord. Now, however, again, here's the problem. However, the high prices were not taken down and the people continued to sacrifice on them. You know, even though they're doing right, I think this is significant. We're, not, we're going to see that there is one king a little bit later on that decides to do something about this. We've seen some other kings do this as well. There are not very many, but most of them just continue to allow the high places to exist where people can go and make offer incense or offer sacrifices to the Lord rather than coming to the temple as they were supposed to do. And rather than taking them down in his kingdom, he didn't. And for whatever reason, he didn't. Now, the text goes on and tells us in Chronicles that Uzziah brought security to Judah as he subdued the nations around him. So when you look at Chronicles, it tells you real quick that he went to Gath and he ripped down this and he subdued this and he's basically wrecking havoc with the nations around Judah to provide security to the nation of Judah as he is basically subduing the old ancient enemies, the Philistines, Ammon, Edom, Moab, all of these enemies that are around, he's subduing them to secure Judah. So the nations brought tribute to Uzziah and his fame reached Egypt. The text says his fame reached the gates of Egypt. So really, he was known even in Egypt as this is a formable kingdom. So Uzziah is doing really, really well here. But the text goes on and talks about his army a little bit. So he equipped a large army and made devices to secure Jerusalem. Now, what kind of devices? <clears throat> well, 
it would be kind of like catapults. Military devices that would hurl things out or whatever so as to protect the city and against an invader. So Uzziah does that. He also equips his army with the best military gear that is needed to do what they have to do. So this is a time of prosperity and security in the kingdom. Now, this happens, and we see this happening throughout the scripture and the warnings of it, that when things go well, you can are most susceptible to things going wrong. And that's exactly what happens here with King Uzziah. Because the text will tell us that during the time of his strength, Uzziah became lifted up in his heart and sinned against God. Now see, this is the insidious nature of pride. Pride will destroy you. And what begins to happen, and we've seen this with others, we saw it with Nebuchadnezzar, you know, if we, when you look through the book of Daniel, you begin to think that you're the reason why everything's going well, and things are really prospering under Uzziah's reign. But the reason why is because he's seeking the Lord. Somewhere along the line, he began to think it was him and he became lifted up in his heart. He became prideful, and he sinned against the Lord. And here's what he did. It is completely outrageous. You would think that he knows better, but pride has taken over his heart. Uzziah entered the temple to burn incense on the altar of incense. So if you remember, the, the, the way the temple was set up, it was set up with different areas where different people could go. So, for instance, there was the court of the Gentiles. And that's as far as a Gentile could go. Go beyond that would be death. Then there's the court of women. And women could be in the court of women, but they could not go into the court of men. Then there was the area for the priest. And then there was the temple itself, the sanctuary, and the most, the holy place was where there would be the table of showbread. There would also be the table of incense. And only the priests, the priests of Aaron, would go there to make their offerings daily to the Lord. And then with, right next to it in the sanctuary was the most holy place where the Ark of the Covenant would be. Now Uzziah, here's what's going on. He has become so prideful that he decides to usurp the role of priest. He's only a king. He's not a priest. Remember, the priesthood is, belongs to the sons of Aaron, and the Levites helped them. Uzziah enters the, te the temple to offer incense to the Lord like a priest. He thinks he's that great that he can do it. So Azariah, the high priest, and 80 priests went into the holy place after the king. So when this happens, he's going in there to make the offering. The high priest gets wind, wind of it. He grabs 80 men who were fierce to go into the most holy place to confront the king. They confronted the king and told him that only the sons of Aaron can offer incense here. That's the bottom line. 
Only the sons of Aaron could offer the incense. Only the priests. They tell them to get out of there. Okay? Get out. You're doing wrong. In fact, they told him to get out of the sanctuary and he will not have any honor. This is a gravest sin that he is taking place. Now, let's remind ourselves. The last time somebody offered incense in a profane way was back in the wilderness. If you remember, it's recorded in the book of Exodus and Numbers and Deuteronomy that, remember, Aaron's son, two of his sons, offered profane incense on the table of incense, and they were immediately consumed by the Lord in his anger. So this is a serious thing. So they tell him to get out of the sanctuary. You don't have any honor. So Uzziah became furious, and leprosy broke out on his forehead as he was angry. Now, so notice something. He's prideful. He's the king. Nobody tells him what to do. He's basically, who are you to tell me what to do? And he's angry. He's mad. You're stopping me from what I want to do. I'm the king. While he's angry, leprosy just happens to appear on his head. Now, listen, remember, leprosy was considered an issue of being unclean now. And those who were lepers were to separate themselves from the community and especially from the sanctuary, from the temple. They could not partake in the worship of the Lord. So here he is. He's becoming angry. He gets furious and leprosy breaks out on his forehead. So the priests quickly thrust him out of the temple because the Lord struck the king. This was a judgment of God. So what do they do? They get him out of there. They get him out of the temple. <clears throat> and trust me, I think he's cooperating this time when he realizes uh, it's time for me to stop being angry because God has just struck me and now I have leprosy. Now I have leprosy. Now here's what happens. Uzziah was a leper and dwelt in an isolated house until his death. So from that point on, he would forever be a leper. And because he had to, according to the law, isolate himself from the community, he was placed into a, a house there in Jerusalem where he would live for the rest of his life, being taken care of, and he dwelt there until his death a leper. This is amazing. What an example of someone whose pride sets him on the wrong path. Sets him on the wrong path. And God strikes him. So Uzziah's son, Jotham, assumed rulership over the king's house and ruled Judah. So what happens? The king's still king, but now he's a leper. He lives in isolation. So what happens? He kind of has a co-regent. We've talked about co-regents before. Typically, it's a son who rules with his father. But the son now is the one making the decisions because the dad is isolated as a leper. That doesn't mean that he's not able to send messages or confer or whatever. The point is, is that Jotham now becomes the co-regent over Judah while his dad is in isolation. 
The Chronicler records that the prophet Isaiah wrote down the Acts of Uzziah. So somewhere there is a document, it's lost to us, that is a record of the Acts of Uzziah that the prophet Isaiah wrote. Now again, here we see another prophet of Israel being mentioned in the record. And that makes sense because you think about the famous passage or the well-known passage that you should know from Isaiah chapter 6 where, where he is, has a vision of the Lord high and lifted up in his temple. It says in that passage in Isaiah chapter 6, in the year that King Uzziah died, he had this vision of the Lord in the throne room. So this is the reality. The reality is that uh, we see the whole issue of the prophets interacting with the kings, and we've seen two prophets so far who've been mentioned. Now, here's the interesting thing. Normally what happens in their death, they get buried in the tomb of their fathers. Well, because he was a leper, Uzziah was buried near his fathers, but not with them. So even in death, he could not be a part of the community. So they buried him on property near the family tomb, but not in the family tomb because he was a leper. So when Uzziah died, his son Jotham became king over Judah. Well, he's already ruling anyhow, but he's now formally made the king of Judah. Well, that brings us to the new dynasties of Israel. And we're going to go through a series of kings rather quickly here. And that starts in 2 Kings chapter 15, verses 8 through 31. And again, there's no record of this in Chronicles because Chronicles, the focus of Chronicles, are the kings of Judah. What we're going to see here now is a description through most of chapter 15 of these this rapid succession of dynasties and some don't last very long. So here's what happens. All right, so first notice. In the 38th year of Uzziah's reign as king of Judah, Zechariah became king for six months. Now, this is not the prophet Zechariah. This is Zechariah from the household of Jehu. This is one of his great-great-great-grandsons, the fourth generation. Okay, so in the 38th year, he becomes king. Now, again, he only ruled six months, but listen, listen again. Here's the description. This has been typical of the northern kings. He did evil in the sight of the Lord as he walked according to the sins of Jeroboam. And again, the sins of Jeroboam were what? The worship of these two calves that represent Yahweh. One was in Dan, the other was in Bethel. So he's continuing in this sin that Jeroboam when he first started the northern kingdom with the ten tribes, had propagated, and to this point, it's continuing on. Now, there is this fellow by the name of Shalom. Shalom's son of Jabesh conspired against the king and killed him in front of the people. So this guy decides that he's had enough of Zechariah, so he conspires to kill him. He kills them in front of the people. So the writer of Kings lists where the details of Zechariah's reign are recorded. It's not much. You can't, I can't see that they're recording much from the six months. 
So here we see the end of a dynasty. And this was according to the Lord's word that Jehu's household would reign to the fourth generation. So here we see the dynasty of Jehu coming to the end, to an end in accordance with the word of the Lord. So now we're going to come to this guy called Shalom. All right, so in the 39th year of Uzziah's reign as king of Judah, Shalom became king for one month. This has got to be a record for the shortest kingdom. He becomes king for one month only. He did evil, but again, that's, this is what marks his reign. He did evil in the sight of the Lord as he walked according to the sins of Jeroboam. So again, he's not doing right. He's continuing in this, in this national sin in the northern kingdom. So Maniam, son of Gadi, came to Samaria and killed Shalom. So there's this other guy now, Menahem, son of Gadi. Sorry, the Hebrew names are a little bit difficult for me. Menahem is the one who kills him after a month. But listen, you might say, well, yeah, rightfully so. He's probably seeking revenge on for the king that got killed. Possibly, but he's not a good man either. Why? The writer of Kings, we'll see here in a moment, the writer of Kings lists where the details of Shalom's reign are recorded. Again, there has to be very little details, but it's simply recorded somewhere. Now, Menahem then attacked Tipsa because they would not surrender to him. So this guy is solidifying his rules, so he's bringing all of the areas into submission to him, but there's one area that is not, and it's Tipsa. Tipsa says they're not surrendering. So what does he do? He slaughtered everyone, including those who were pregnant. He spared no one from Tipsa. And this is the thing that they would typically do when they conquered an area, probably to make them an example of not submitting to him. Now, it goes on and tell, tells us here that in the 38th year of Uzziah's reign as king of Judah, Menahem became king for 10 years. So he becomes king for 10 years. And again, he's following suit with all the other kings from Jeroboam I. He did evil in the sight of the Lord as he walked according to the sins of Jeroboam. So he's continuing in this national sin. Now, we're going to be introduced to a king. He's not from Israel, but he's from another kingdom that we have not been in contact with yet, and it's the kingdom of Assyria. Now, we do know, if you go a little bit further in the Minor Prophets, remember we talked about the prophet Jonah? Well, Jonah went to Nineveh. Nineveh was the capital of the Assyrian kingdom. So here we're going to see a king by the name of Pole. Pol, king of Assyria, attacked Israel, and Menahem paid a tribute of 1,000 talents of silver. That's a lot of silver, folks. Menahem placed 
a heavy tax of 50 shekels of silver on both the rich and the poor to pay Paul. So how do you get a thousand talents of silver? Well, you tax everybody till they can't tax rich and poor to the point where they have to come up with the money. So the writer then of Kings lists where the details of Menahem's reign are recorded. Now, here's the interesting thing about Menahem. He reigned for 10 years. He died. Nobody killed him. So we see a dynasty that's actually lasting into the second generation now. So Menahem died and his son, Pekiah, ruled Israel in his place. So he has a son who rules after him. So let's talk about him now. So in the 50th year of Uzziah's reign as king of Judah, Pekiah became king for two years. Okay, so his reign is short. Why? Well, let's take a guess. Again, he's doing the same national sin. He did evil in the sight of the Lord as he walked according to the sins of Jeroboam. So he's continuing on in the sins of Jeroboam. Now, Pekah, son of Ramaliah, conspired against the king and killed him with 50 men of Gilead. Remember, we've mentioned Gilead before. So we see here that there's a guy by the name of Pekah. He's the son of Ramaliah. So he kills the king. Thus ends another dynasty. So the writer of Kings lists where the details of Pekah's reign are recorded. So then, here we go, another dynasty. In the 52nd year of Uzziah's reign as king of Judah, Pekah became king for 20 years. Okay, so the other guy, he had a son. He lasted 10 years. His son after him, he gets killed by Pekah. Now Pekah is going to become king for 20 years. And again, he's continuing in the same national sin. He did evil in the sight of the Lord as he walked according to the sins of Jeroboam. They just can't get away from the sin that has ensnared the nation, that has brought judgment upon them, which we're going to see next week comes to a conclusion. At this time, the king of Assyria, now it's not Paul anymore, it's another king, the king of Assyria took part of Israel and carried its people into exile. Now here's what happened typically. They start seeing this happening. When empires began to conquer people at this time, it became a strategy so that they could keep an area into sub subjugation. They would then take people from that kingdom to other places remove them from their homeland, take them into exile. And to be honest with you, the Assyrians were quite brutal with this. There are reports of exiles being taken. They would have a hook in their lip and be led away by a rope with a hook through their lip. That's pretty gross, pretty painful. But the Assyrians were pretty brutal people. So they began to whittle away 
taking significant portions of the kingdom of Israel. In fact, it says all of Nephtali, the tribal area of Nephtali, was taken by Assyria, and those people would be taken into exile. So Hosea, son of Elah, now we're not talking about the prophet Hosea, Hoshea, excuse me, Hoshea, son of Elah, conspired against the king and killed him. So again, we see another dynasty ending. He doesn't even have a chance to give it over to his son. He's killed. Probably, you could the inference when you read the text is probably because they're not doing well as a nation. So then it says that Hoshea then ruled Israel as king during the 20th year of Jotham, king of Judah. So Hoshea becomes the king of Israel during this 20th year of Jotham, son of Uzziah in the south. And the writer of King lists where the details of Pekah's reign are recorded. Now, let me just stop for a moment. Hoshea, we're going to look at his reign next week. And to be very honest with you folks, he really is the last dynasty of Israel. Because next week, we're going to see that God fulfills his judgment, which he proclaimed to Jeroboam, that he would take them into exile. It's already started to happen with the Assyrians capturing part of Israel and taking the people away in exile. We're going to see the completion of that and the fulfillment of that prophecy to Jeroboam part of the fulfillment of that prophecy to Jeroboam next week when we get into uh, our lesson next week. And we're going to basically end our discussion of the northern kingdom next week. Well, let's get back to the southern kingdom, and we're going to talk about one more king now, and that is Jotham, king of Judah. So in the second year of Pekah's reign as king of Israel, Jotham became king of Judah. Now, Jotham was 25 years old when he became king, and he ruled Judah for 16 years. So when he became king, he was 25, he rules for 16. However, the high places were not taken down, and the people continued to sacrifice on them. And here is an interesting thing that happens now, because the chronicler is going to make a special note. The chronicler reports, records that the people continued to act corruptly. So, you know, there, there had been a difference between the people of the southern kingdom and the people of the northern kingdom. But the people of the southern kingdom are just as corrupt in their idolatry. And that's the point that the, rec the chronicler is making for us here. Now, it says that Jotham became mighty as he subdued Ammon and extracted a yearly tribute from them. So once again, they have to subdue Ammon, and he gets a yearly tribute. And it says, I think it goes on for about three years, if you look at the text. Jotham became mighty because he prepared his ways before the Lord. Again, this sounds like Uzziah in that as long as he was doing what was right, God prospered him. So here we see Jotham being mighty 
because he's preparing his ways before the Lord. Now, the writer of King lists where the details of Jotham's reign are recorded. So the writer of Kings tells us, as well as Chronicles, will tell us where his details are recorded. And during Jotham's reign, the Lord sent Rezin of Syria and Pekah of Israel against Judah. So even though he's mighty, things aren't going exactly well. Why? Because the people are corrupt. And so God said, remember, from the very beginning, all the way back to the Mosaic Law, that if you don't wholeheartedly follow me, I will bring oppressors against you. And he's raising up too. Now, we'll, if you, when we get into the book of Isaiah and we see King Ahaz, we'll talk about this when we talk about Ahaz, he's concerned about these two kings, the resident of Syria and Pekah of Israel. Ahaz is the son of Jotham. But we'll talk about that later. So Jotham died and was buried with his fathers as his son Ahaz became king of Judah. And so folks, we're going to end our study right there. So we're seeing really chaos in the northern kingdom. One ruler after another. That's just instability. They're seeing the, the Assyrian Empire coming and whittling away at them. And we're also seeing a corruptness in the southern kingdom and a problem with the kings being, what, starting out okay, but being lifted up in their heart and really bringing judgment upon the kingdom. But also the fact that the people of Judah are corrupt as well. So next week, we're going to get right back into it. We're going to look at Ahaz. We're also going to discuss, really, the decline and the collapse of the northern kingdom when Assyria defeats them.